right, you may be seated. Okay, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 4 um, tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 20 to 40, as you can see on your screen. If you have the ESV Bible that many of us um, use here, uh, there are a couple of paragraphs in this section, um, verses 25 to 31 or one in one paragraph, uh, and then 32 to 40 are in another paragraph. They're actually under two different headings in the ESV. Um, the second one is, uh, for verses 32 to 40, is the Lord alone is God, which is a good, good heading for that section. Um, we're going to use those same paragraph breaks that are in the ESV tonight to just kind of break the text in half, um, and uh, we'll do that. So just remember uh, that, that as we review that, that uh, this, this Deuteronomy, uh, book of Deuteronomy, the structure is that, that there are three messages from Moses to the children of Israel as they prepare to cross the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land. Um, and then there's one section at the end where uh, Moses uh, prepares to die and dies. But we are in, in chapter four. You can see that we're we're close to the end of Moses' first message. Um, chapter four has more than forty verses, but we're going to end at verse forty because that's where the message ends. Um, but so we will finish that. So um, chapter. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 40, form kind of a block. They form kind of a, a unit. And, I, and I'll tell you um, about that in, in just a minute. But, but we will finish up then uh, this Moses' first message um, tonight. So here's what I mean by Deuteronomy 4, uh, 1 to 40 is one unit. And it's probably easiest if you just open up your own Bibles uh, and look at it uh, as I read it and put it up on the screen as well. But Deuteronomy 40, 4, verses 1, first. So verse 1 says this. So this is towards the end, the last really section of Moses' uh, first message to the people of Israel. And now, O Israel... Listen to the statutes and the judgments that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. So, so that verse in verse 40 form what is called an inclusio, um, which means that it's got a beginning and an end, a clear beginning and an end that are related to each other. Uh, so that you can see that this this group of this text belongs together. So um, notice here, statutes and judgments. I am teaching you that you may live. You can go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Now let's take a look at verse 40 with that in mind. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, 
and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So statutes and commandments. At the beginning, it was statutes and judgments that I command you. Earlier, as I was teaching you, that it may go well with you. Verse 1 was that you may live, uh, that you may prolong your days in the land. Verse 1, it was you could, you could take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you um, at the beginning and then for all time here. So not exactly the same, but definitely similar thoughts um, and, and clearly uh, ties this verse in with verse one. So these, these two verses really could be seen as a summary of all of Deuteronomy, really. What Deuteronomy is, is about. So the last two times we met, which were the first part of Deuteronomy chapter 4, we talked about guarding things. Uh, the first one, a couple of sessions ago, guard the word of the Lord. Um, this is the verse. You shall not add to that word, to the word that I command you, or take from it, in order to guard it, to guard the commandments of the Lord your God, that I am, that I command you. So, guard His word by not adding to it and not taking away from it. And then, the next time, last time we met, guard yourself like your life depends on it. So this the guard yourself is repeated several times, several times emphatically, almost like this, guard your life, life like your life depends on guard yourself like your life depends on it. But that passage closed with this verse. Guard yourselves, lest you forget, or these two verses, guard yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image. In the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So guard yourselves, lest you end up doing this, making a carved image. And the reason for that is that the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. So we're going to start uh, tonight in the very next verse, um, and we'll read right through the first section of it right away, and then we'll come back and cover it a little bit more in depth. So we're going to read 25 to 31. When you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land If you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord, your God, as so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, 
And you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul, when you are in tribulation, all these things come upon you in the latter days. You will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So so as I was... Preparing for this, it's been more than a week ago. The verse that kept coming into my mind from the New Testament was this. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So with that in mind, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So let's take a little more in-depth look at our first paragraph. When you father children and children's children... And have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image. Remember what the couple verses before said. Guard yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. And a jealous God. So the rest of this verse, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger. So what do you think will come next? Uh, Verse 26 is, is pretty predictable. But before we move to verse 26, I just want to take a look at one word, one word from the ESV, and that's this one. If you can see it, it's the only highlighted word. It's really small. It's a tiny little word, and it says if. But it's a big if, if here. If you act corruptly by making a carved image, well... This is a really, 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 really good illustration of a principle that is all translation is interpretation. Um, So what do I mean by that? Well, take a look at your Bible. If you have an ESV, you see that it says if there. If you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything. So when you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly, if you have 
the King James Bible, or if you have a New American Standard Bible, it says something different. When you father children and children's children and have grown in the land, and you act corruptly by making a carved image, in English, if and then, if and and are different words with, that mean a lot of different things, that mean a vastly different thing. The difference, of course, here is that does if here leave some doubt as to whether or not this will happen? Is it a possibility that Israel will act corruptly or is it a sure thing? Either translation is possible here. The word that you would normally look for is is if in Hebrew isn't there. Um, So is Moses laying out a possibility or is he laying out something that he knows will happen? Phrase it a little bit differently. Is God laying out a possibility or is God laying out something that he knows will happen? So, let's just answer that question by going a little bit farther into Deuteronomy. I'm going to read, I'll put it up on the, no I won't put it up, I didn't put it in the, in the notes here. But I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 31, and you tell me what you think. You probably won't even have to tell me. This is Moses speaking, and he says this, Deuteronomy 31, 29. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. So Moses, later in Deuteronomy, says that. So so let's just ask the next logical question then with regard to us. How much does God know about us? So if you're if you're a Christian or a believer, well even if you're not a Christian, not a believer, how much does God know about you? So to use from our text here. If you're a father or a mother with children, maybe with grandchildren, and when you've grown old in the land, so, and you look back on your life, maybe 20 years, maybe 30 years, maybe 40 years, maybe 50 years, how far should I go? I'll stop at 50 Um, did God know that you were going to act corruptly? And yet, here you are, Sunday night, the week before Christmas Eve, here. Why? Why are you here? If God knew that you were going to act corruptly, Why are you still here? Why do you still believe? 
So if you're a lot younger, some of you aren't, aren't grandparents or even parents. When you get older, and you are a father or a mother, if you are a father or a mother, maybe 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, and you're a believer now, does God know that you are going to act corruptly, and yet here you are? Right? Right here. Where you're hearing his word. Will you wonder at that time? Will you, will you even know whether or not you will believe at that time? Will you still believe at that time? Well, the Bible has something to say about that. Deuteronomy has something to say about that. Which means that God has something to say about that. So the translation up there, When you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, and we put the word and in there because that's what New American Standard and King James have, and you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything, and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger. Here's what Moses has to say about that. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. So this, is, this verse is a terribly ominous warning. If or when you act corruptly and make an idol or do what is evil in the Lord's sight and provoke him to anger. Here's what it says for Israel. Moses says to Israel, you will not live long in it, that is the land, but will be utterly destroyed. So, so God's promise to the generations of the Israel, his covenant with the generations of Israel is clearly conditional. If this or this. Jump down to verse 40 just for a second. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. And if you don't, you will not live long in the land, but will utter, be utterly destroyed. So, so that's what it says in Deuteronomy. As Moses speaks to Israel, that's what he says. You know, we might think that, that I'm glad that I live in the new covenant because God doesn't say things like that anymore. Um, here's from 1 John, which we love, we love 1 John, right? It's, it's a great thing. Great, great letter for us to read. 1 John 2, 4, or 2, 3 and 4 say this. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. I call heaven and earth to witness to you against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, that neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. And the Lord your God, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, that you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord your where the Lord will drive you. So So what does that say about Israel? So let's just think about Israel for a minute. So most of Israel's existence has been outside of the land of Israel. 1400 BC or so, they began to they crossed the Jordan and began to take possession of the land. Uh, by 722 BC, the northern kingdom is gone. By 586 BC, the southern kingdom is taken into exile um, for 70 years. Uh, eventually, they get back, but never really in control of their land anymore. Um, but, but Israel is always fighting for its existence. And then, um, at the time of Christ, they were completely under Roman-dominated rule. 70 A.D., after Christ, after they, um, after, after Christ comes, the Jewish people reject Christ. 70 A.D., Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple is destroyed, the people are scattered all over the world. And then somehow in, well, actually started in the late 1800s, they started coming back there. Um, In 1948, after World War II, Israel becomes a nation with a land again. So most of the time over the last 3,400 years, Israel has not been in that land. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. And you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. So what does this say about God? Well, God scatters the people, right? He scatters them. It says that he scatters them. He drives them out of their land. It says he's a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. So what is a jealous, what, is, what does that mean that God is a jealous God? Well, it's, it's a completely righteous thing that we don't think of when we think of the word jealousy. It is the righteous jealousy of a 
husband who has been trade, been betrayed by his wife. And that's how, how it's so often characterized in the Old Testament when Israel abandons God for, for other gods. And so it doesn't really look very hopeful for Israel. It doesn't look hopeful for Israel at all. But then, there is hope. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. Now, you could make the same kind of if uh, and points here that you could, that you could in uh, the first verse we looked at. But, uh, for, the, for example, the, the NIV and the K- King James, and, and they would say things like, um, but if from there, something like that. But New American Standard ESV, but from there, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. So if God knows that, that they will act corruptly, he also knows whether or not they will repent. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God and will find him. So we like that, right? We like that, that if we seek the Lord, that we will find him. We have... Favorite verses like that that go like this. This is from this is from Matthew seven. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So. But then the ESV has another if here. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So so what does it mean? What does it mean to search after him with all your heart and with all your soul? It's probably not quite as, as easy as when we think about if you knock, it'll be open to you. If you seek, it will be found. It might mean something slightly different from that. So um, Tigay, uh, who is a, a Jewish scholar, uh, wrote a commentary on uh, Deuteronomy, said, Here, here's what this means. So the heart um, means this. It's the seed of thought. Intention and feeling. That's what your heart is. The seat of thought, intention and feeling. Often it's translated into English as mind, by the way. The word for heart is often translated as mind. It's, it's the seat of thought, intention and feeling. Soul is the seat of emotions and passions and desires. Not like we typically think of soul. And when you use those together, heart and soul, it means the totality of one's thoughts, feelings, intentions, and desires. So if you search for after him 
with the totality of your thoughts, feelings, intentions, and desires, you will find him. So, so what do you, what do you love like that? What captivates your thoughts? What stimulates your feelings, drives your intentions, or your what is your greatest desire? There's another verse um, that uses those terms that we're familiar with because it's quoted in the New Testament. Actually, it uses even one more. Um, this is Deuteronomy 6. Verse 5, I'll read 6 and 7 along with it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And here's how you do that. You'll hear this often as we study Deuteronomy. And these words that I command you today will be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you... Walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So that's what that looks like, to seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then he goes on to say, and when you are in tribulation. Um, another way to, to say that might be, in your tribulation. Or when the tribulation is yours. When the tribulation belongs to you. And these things come upon you in the latter days. You will return to the Lord. Your God and obey his voice. When the tribulation is yours. When the tribulation belongs to you. You will return to the Lord, your God, and obey his voice. So God knows if we're going to act corruptly. And God knows what happens when we go through tribulation. God has a purpose in tribulation. God has a purpose when tribulation is yours. So, he had a purpose in driving Israel out of the land. He had a purpose in disciplining the people of Israel. And so think of it personally. When the tribulation is yours. A lot of you have already been through that. Some of us haven't been through that, not not to the where we would think it, but like that—that that it's the it's tribulation, when the tribulation is yours. But think about it: what did it do? If you've been through that, what did it do? If if you if you haven't been through it, when you've seen others go through it, what did it do? Did it make you? Did it make that person return to the Lord or cling to the Lord 
and obey his voice. So just notice the correlation between tribulation and returning to the Lord in this verse. Notice that connection. Tribulation and returning to the Lord. The correlation between turning to the Lord and obeying. That's repentance. That's what that's talking about. Returning to the Lord, turning to the Lord, and obeying. That's what it, that's what it means. So tribulation is meant for Israel's repentance. So when we go through tribulation... What comes to mind? Is, is, is that what it's for? Sometimes. I mean, how, to, how often have you heard things like, I just had to hit rock bottom? So tribulation maybe not, might not always be to bring us to repentance. It might have other purposes, but it's always for our good. When, when the tribulation is yours... When the tribulation, it's mine. It's always for your good or my good, and it should always make us more Christ-like. So why would God make his people perish from the land, drive them out, scatter them across the nations, and even put them in places where he knows they will worship other gods? Because he's trying to, he's leading them to repentance. And what leads us to repentance? God's kindness. So when God brings tribulation, it's because he's kind. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? When you are in tribulation and these th- all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice for... Because the Lord your God is a merciful God. So that should right away, uh, if you were here during Exodus, that should right away make you think of Exodus 34. Uh, Even if you weren't here, you know this passage. Exodus 34, verses 6. And seven, the Lord passed by him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So Moses has already shared that God is jealous and he's a consuming fire. And now he brings up this. Verse 
He's merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I think he's got all this in mind. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping faithfulness for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He will not leave you. Or destroy you. Or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So, so who were their fathers? There's actually quite a bit of disagreement about what this means. Does it mean Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the forefathers? Or does it mean their fathers who were at Mount Sinai? And, and scholars are on different sides of this. Um, and there are strong points on either one of those. I'm, I lean towards this is Abraham. This was Isaac. Uh, this was Jacob. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a child of Abraham. Abraham is your father. And he will not forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So, we're going to come back to Abraham in this second part of Deuteronomy um, 4, 25 to 40. So we'll, we'll take these next verses now. We'll read through them real quickly, and then we will do a shorter, um, spend a le- less time here, but really focus on that Abraham um, being the covenant with Abraham. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of the heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of a fire, as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials and by signs and by wonders and by war, by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God and there is no other beside him. Out of heaven, he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on the earth, he let you see his great fire, that you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and fought and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you and bring you Bring you in to give you land, their land, for an inheritance as it is to this day. Know therefore today and lay it on your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments at which I command you today that it may go well with you. And with your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So if it sounds like that 
those verses are a little bit repetitive. Uh, It's because they are. Um, Daniel Block outlines these verses this way. There are three verses, starts with three verses that are a history lesson. Um, And then there's a theology lesson based on that that takes a verse. Uh, And then there's another repeated history lesson, really the same one, three verses. And then a theology lesson after that, same one. Uh, And then a practical lesson at the end. So first, this history lesson. So these three verses, um, they, they really are the history lesson that teaches you the theology lesson. So, so we can think of verses 32, 33, 34 as ter- teaching you what verse 35 says. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, Since the day that God created man on the earth, ask from one end of the heaven to the other whether such a great thing has ever happened or is ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself out of the midst of another nation by trials by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by deeds of great of terror, all of which the Lord your God did before your eyes. The answer to all of those questions, of course, is no. No God has ever done that. Why? That's the theology lesson. Because to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God and there is no other one. There aren't any other gods out there that could do that. It's this one only. There's only one. And he is God. So, same, essentially the same message. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. A little bit of added interpretation for you so that you know why you heard his voice. So that you, he would discipline you. And on the earth that he might, you might see his great fire. And you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them. And brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power. Driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you. To bring you in. To give you the land for their land for an inheritance, as it is today. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them. So that is the great hope of Israel, really, in the Old Testament. That right there. That he loved their fathers and chose the offspring. So individuals, generations, may fail, may be exiled, may be destroyed. But God loved their fathers. And because of that, he preserves the offspring. And because of that, he chose their offspring, Israel. So that should remind you of this from Genesis with Abraham. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So, as we learn from the Apostle Paul, those who are of faith are the children of Israel, or the children of Abraham. Blessed in Abraham. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them. So he chose them. He chose Abraham's offspring, knowing that they were going to act corruptly. Knowing that they were going to provoke him to anger. Knowing that they were going to do evil in his sight. Knowing that they were going to worship other gods. So if you ever, if you ever wonder, you know, with what I've done, how do I know that God's going to preserve me? He chose us. If you're going to be in Sunday school, and uh, after the first of the year, we're going to be studying Ephesians. Um, beginning the beginning of Ephesians, He chose us before the foundation. She chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be home, holy and blameless. In him, he predestined us to adoption as sons. Knowing who we were, knowing who we would be, knowing what we would do. So if you're here and you have faith in Jesus Christ, know, right? God has chosen you from before the foundation of the world, and he will not leave you and will not forsake you. So, here's the theology lesson from that. Now, therefore, today, know, therefore, today, and lay it on your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above, And on the earth beneath, there is no other. And so, therefore, you shall guard his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you. And that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Let's pray.
Father, we um, thank you um, that there are many people in this room here that you chose before the foundation of the world. And that you promise you will never leave or abandon. Lord, we um, pray that as we go out from here, we would share that good news. Thank you for your tremendous gift for us, your son who came to earth and died for us, for our sins, so that we could be in him. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.